for the win. It's good. Fires over the middle. Collins at the goal line. Touchdown, Miners. This is the Mineshaft, a UTEP football podcast, part of the Republic of Football Network. Now here's your host, Colin Deaver, and former UTEP kicker, Gavin Beckley. Keeping it rolling here with the fall camp editions of the Mineshaft podcast. I'm your host, Colin Deaver, back for episode four with my co-host, Gavin Beckley, former UTEP kicker, the 2022 Conference USA Special Teams Player of the Year, once again rocking the amazing UTEP throwback cap. Gavin, you were here last week, the old stomping grounds. You were, in fact, in the studio here at KTSM for the episode. What did you get into last weekend? Uh, you know, just uh, came in to see one of my best friends, longtime uh, high school friend and everything, went out to uh, El Paso to throw him a little surprise party um, and then basically did that and went to practice and then came right back to Dallas. So quick turnaround, but definitely, definitely a good time to, to go talk to talk to my friends up there and the guys on the team. A G-rated recap of the weekend. I like it. Well, of course, the uh, Mindshaft podcast brought to you by Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the Republic of Football podcast network. And uh, as we've told you multiple times, we have a sponsorship with Homefield Apparel based out of Indianapolis. If you want to purchase any of their uh, pretty awesome UTIP apparel that they have, they launched the line a couple of weeks ago, uh, we can get you 15% off your first time purchase. Just use the Mineshaft, or use the promo code Mineshaft um, at checkout and get a 15% discount on that. Uh, Gavin, I've already talked to some people who have used it. Uh, they say uh, that the they've gotten their gear already. They say it's pretty awesome. Have you gotten your shirt yet? I have not. I haven't gotten it either, but I I've heard they look comfortable. I, but I heard so. the service is great and everything. And I heard the, especially if you use the promo code mineshaft, I heard that, uh, you get a special surprise. I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it should be. What, what shirt did you get? You got the one with like the, like on the flying Pegasus or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I got, Hopefully. I got the one with the Texas Western basketball logo. So um, yeah, I was going to get one like that, but I'm a football guy. So yeah, you know. for sure. Well, we are uh, happy to be joined by uh, a man who needs no introduction today. Um, joining us, our second guest on the podcast, UTEP minor voice for the last 43 years, John Teicher. Uh, John, thank you so much for being with us here today to talk some UTEP football. Guys, I'm honored to be with you and uh, looking forward to talking some UTEP football. As we said, 43 years on the, on the mic. Gavin, I don't know if you know this. John actually used to have my job uh, at KTSM. Did a much better job of it, uh, based on uh, what I've seen in the archive. Fish archives. out of water, actually. <laughs> Fish out of water. You're doing everything from radio to TV at that point. But um, John, first of all, just you know, looking back at the last 43 years, um, what has been your just broader, uh, taking a broader look at it, just your favorite part of kind of being the voice of the miners for this long? I think it's just the the, the way this program. This, this entire athletics program is regarded in this community. Again, you know, obviously now we have AAA uh, baseball. We've got uh, big time uh, minor league soccer with a locomotive, but uh, both of those have been within the last decade. El Paso's really never had uh, high level major league sports. So uh, UTEP being a division one 
athletics program that has competed for over a hundred years in this uh, in this community. I think just just the opportunity to describe the the football and 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 even more so the basketball over the last forty plus years to a, a community that it means so much to, I think has has been the most significant thing for me. You've obviously been on the call for some some big games. Obviously, eighty five, the upset of BYU, that whole eighty eight season, I'm sure stands out. And even to two years ago, you know, going to a bowl game, starting six and one. If, give me maybe like your three moments from UTEP football over the forty three years you've done this that just maybe stand out more than any other anything else. Well, when when people ask about my favorite UTEP football moment, they might be surprised to learn it was actually during a one win season in nineteen eighty five. And at that time, UTEP was a member of the Western Athletic Conference. And BYU was the defending national champion. And of course, Cougars and Miners were whack uh, mates at that time. And in late October, the Cougars came into the Sun Bowl Stadium to face a UTEP team that the week before had stepped out of league play and were just absolutely waxed in a game at, at Kent State in Kent, Ohio. And obviously there wasn't much hope against the defending national champions and UTEP pulled off the upset of upsets. Uh, they defeated uh, BYU 23 to, to 16. I can remember Danny Taylor intercepting a pass in the uh, north end zone and taking it down the, the east sideline in front of the minor bench, 100 yards for a, for a touchdown. And uh, there were 22,000 fans there that night. It sounded more like 60,000 at that uh, particular time. And that would be the only game, that would be the only game that UTEP would win in 1985 against the defending national champion BYU Cougars. And that BYU game always meant a little something special back then, regardless of the uh, circumstances. And I think another highlight of my time as, as UTEP's voice came at the very end of that season, Colin, because UTEP played in the, the first week of December, played the first ever college football game in Australia. And it was a Western Athletic Conference game against Wyoming. We spent a week in, in Australia. We played at the Melbourne Cricket Grounds. I remember the game kicked off at 3 a.m., El Paso time. I can remember it was uh, it was a bit of a fiasco getting hooked up to do the broadcast at that time. Not quite uh, as simple uh, as today is was the uh, technology uh, back then when we basically used a, a string in a can. So uh, that was a bit of a challenge. But uh, it was interesting because both UTEP and Wyoming were playing with lame duck coaching staffs that had already been fired, were coaching one last time for their respective teams. And there we are, we were on the other side of the world on December the 5th to play the first ever game, first ever college game on the Australian uh, continent. And then there were, you know, there were the, the, the Western Athletic Conference championship season of 2000, uh, which UTEP was kind of building towards, much like we see with what's going on with UTEP football heading into 2000. And, and 23, and it was the only WAC championship that UTEP ever won. UTEP has only won two conference football championships in its entire history. That was a lot of fun. And then I think the energy surrounding Mike Price's arrival at UTEP, coming off of uh, 
three straight two win seasons and Miners winning eight games and eight games and Mike Price's first two seasons as uh, head coach. Uh, those would be the things that uh, I think stick out for me the most. But there have been so many, so many other moments as well. How has uh, how has reporting and kind of being the voice of the miners changed over all these years? Well, again, the technology for sure has changed, and now we actually uh, we actually do the broadcast over the internet. So that that's been a a, a big big change for sure. Um, other than that, I, you know, it, it, as you think back, I, one of the things I so enjoy, Gavin, about college football is the fact that you play only a limited number of games every season. And you know this as, as a player, you know, each game is such a big deal because you, you work all week for that uh, few hours on, on Saturday and you get to do it only 12, maybe 13 times a year if, if you're so fortunate. So I, I just like the spectacle that uh, the college football is and, and certainly was even back then. Was that trip to Australia the start of the recruitment of Josh Sloan? Uh, probably so, although we, we must have recruited his mom and dad because I don't think Josh was born at that definitely, time. Definitely not. <laughs> Maybe like 13, 14 years later, he wouldn't even have thought. Yeah, um, yeah obviously, I, uh, you you mentioned the spectacle of college football a second ago. Um, I know you're, a, in, in addition to being a UTEP minor broadcaster, you're a UCLA Bruin graduate. Um uh, Obviously, they've uh, been been the ones that have kind of started this this change, not not completely started it, but this 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 latest round of realignment and everything. What's kind of your take on 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 all of this and how it might affect UTEP in the coming years? I just can't believe that the Pac-12 is on the verge of not existing anymore and basically disintegrated in the course of just uh, a few hours. Uh, what uh, a week or so ago when the three schools went to the, the big 12 and then uh, uh, two more to the, to the big 10, it's just uh, totally unbelievable, but uh, all rationality seemingly has, has gone out the window. And I, I tell people all the time, I have no idea what this thing is going to look like in another three to five years. Gavin, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but it's just, it's so hard to predict or imagine what the landscape is going to look like in, in the sport in the next, uh, in the next several years. Yeah. We were talking about that, I think two podcasts ago. And I think that I had said that this is just the start of it. It's just going to continue to kind of snowball and there's definitely going to be a lot of different teams in different places. So we'll see, we'll see how that kind of comes up in the next, like you said, three to five years of, of what's going to happen with, with some of these conferences. And I'm sure there's going to be brand new conferences that come out of it and, and we'll kind of see see what uh, goes along the lines of that. I think I, I'm not the first person to make this point. Like football, it's a little bit easier. And I mean, you've UTEP's been in a league like this. I mean, for the last 18 years, basically, you know, they they'll travel to Florida International. Florida International this year has to come to New Mexico State. I mean, it's these far flung con conferences aren't out of the norm. But I think what hurts is where it, or where it will hurt more is the other sports like men's and women's basketball, volleyball, where you're hopping on commercial flights, John, to get to wherever you need to go. And, you know, UCLA playing a conference game on a Tuesday night at Rutgers or whatever it is. And then you're, you're back to LA 
for classes the next day or whatever. It just it just seems like it's going to be a lot more difficult for those sports than maybe football. Well, obviously, the power conferences have the, the big money television contracts. But, uh, Colin, with what you're talking about, I don't financially, I, I don't know how in the world this is going to be sustainable over the long haul, exactly what you're talking about. You know, football will probably survive. I'm, I'm sure that uh, basketball will probably survive. But what of the the other sports that are uh, hopping all over the United States of America in order to play a a, a midweek game? I, I, I just don't know how financially uh, this is going to be possible uh, for the long haul. I guess on that note, we'll move maybe into a little more about this year's minors, John. I know you've been out at some practices, Gavin. Uh, Gavin, I think knows more than he than he tells us because he he has a he has a direct line to Coach Price still. But um, what has been obviously last year was I think pretty disappointing. Gavin, and I have have said as much uh, previously as well, but pretty disappointing just coming off of the bowl game. But from your vantage point, how do you feel like this year's team has maybe responded to? what happened last year and with so many guys coming back um, I guess maybe trying to, to fix what happened and you'll be better from it. Yeah. I, I think to this point, it's been uh, uh, a very positive uh, response. And again, you know, the, the thing I look at and I'm, I'm sure, you know, Gavin being a, a football guy would agree. I, you know, it's, to me, it starts on the line of scrimmage. And when you talk about uh, 119 returning starts among UTEP's five offensive linemen, I mean, that's, that's what you build for. That's what every program builds for, a quarterback that started 30 games. And obviously the experience you gain and the lessons you learn are, are great teachers. And I, I would expect uh, Gavin Hardison to have the very best year he's had in a minor uniform. And then you go over to the defensive side of the football. I think the biggest gain, and Gavin, you may or may not agree, but I, I think the biggest improvement the UTEP program has made since Dana Dimmel arrived in 2018 has actually been up front on the defensive side of the football. The last three years, Miners have done a much, much better job at controlling the opposing running game than was the case, historically speaking, for many, many, many a season. And with, you know, the likes of uh, Keenan Stewart and Praise Amehule, who have started uh, over 30 games each uh, up front uh, and, and, uh, uh, a foursome that uh, could be three deep at basically uh, every spot. I really expect the UTEP defense uh, with Tyrese Knight uh, on the next level uh, also uh, returning, having made more than 30 starts himself in a minor uniform. I, I think the UTEP defense will take uh, even another stride forward. That's what I'm expecting this, uh, uh, this season. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. I remember whenever I, it first got to UTEP, it seemed like we would never get good rushes on the quarterback and even get any sacks. And now it seems like the the D-line has failed if they don't hurry the quarterback or if they don't come up uh, with a sack at the end of the play. So I definitely feel that, that the D-line um, has greatly improved since I've been here, especially the past two, three years. It's just, it's just really a really cool thing to see that they do put in the work every day on the field, off the field and everything. And for them to kind of get those results that, that everyone knows they can get, it's really, really a, a great thing to see for them. The, the one thing I would like to see more of from the UTEP defense this season is creating turnovers. It's something that has not happened probably as often as it needs to happen. 
Uh, obviously, when you do that, you've got you've got a chance to score yourself as a defense. You got a chance to set your offense up with uh, great field position. So that's that's one of the steps I think that UTEP defense uh, should and, and needs to take uh, uh, this season, creating more turnovers. Yeah, I think the last year, uh, I guess 2020, the COVID year, I think it was like maybe three or three, somewhere between three and five turnovers they forced the entire year. Pivotal's first year was a little better. I think it was even a little better from that last year. But, I mean, if they can get up to where they're forcing 20 turnovers in a season, I mean, that's obvi- I mean obviously it's maybe you're scoring off a couple of them. Maybe, and I look at what I think was maybe their best game last year was probably that Charlotte game where you scored two defensive touchdowns. I mean, it just – it just, it just changes the complexion of the game entirely. It takes pressure, obviously, um, off the offense if you can do that. Um, and you brought up Tyrese Knight, Tyce. Just we've talked about him too. I mean, he could have transferred anywhere he wanted to had he made that decision. Um, for him to come back for this year, you know, what do you feel like that says about him? And for you, having seen so many, you know, great players come through here, kind of where does he maybe rank for you in terms of linebackers that have come through? Well, there have been a lot of great uh, uh, linebacker uh, linebackers, and line, there's been some terrific linebacking play at, at UTEP over the last uh, 40 years. As far as what it says about Tyrese that he would stay, I, I think it shows a lot of maturity. I think sometimes the grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side. And when you have yourself well-established in a program like Tyrese does here, particularly with only one year left to go, why would you go somewhere else where it's pretty much the unknown? I mean, if if he was to go to another program, certainly I don't think there would be any guarantee that he would play necessarily the role that uh, he's going to play and has played here at UTEP. So I think it was a very wise decision for uh, Tyrese to remain as, as a UTEP minor. And again, uh, talking about the the great linebackers here at UTEP over the years. You think of Baron Wortham, who played in the uh, the NFL. You think of uh, uh, of uh, Doug Morgan and Ken Sali, the two uh, terrific linebackers on the 1988 10-win uh, UTEP team. Robert Rodriguez, of course, the El Pasoan, who uh, now is coaching in the uh, in the NFL. Uh, I think uh, Tyrese's uh, production and and his uh, and his overall play uh, can be comparative to to any of those guys uh, that I just mentioned. How many of those guys do you, not just those linebackers, but those, you know, guys that whose games you called over the years, I mean, are you still kind of keeping in touch with? And from speaking with you over the years, it just seems like you have a little bit of a, you know, encyclopedia. It's like you, it's like you never forget a name of a, of, of a UTEP football player that you broadcasted, but um, yeah. How many of those guys do you keep in touch with and um, just what's that memory bank like right now? Well, I don't think anybody with uh, any tremendous regularity, but I will say this: we about three weeks ago we did a uh, we did a Zoom call that we're releasing on YouTube with the uh, 1988 with some members. Obviously, it, you know, it, I would say we had what 10 to 12 uh, members of that 1988 team, which won 10 games, the most in the history of the school, and. You know, we got together, Colin, it's been 35 years, and that's the team that's going into the UTEP Athletics Hall of Fame on September the 1st, along with their coach, uh, Bob Stull. It's like no time had passed at all in those 35 years. We we spent two hours together, and it, it could have been 20 hours 
nonstop just talking about the good old times and about football. But that's one of the great things. And 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 Gavin, you know this, you know, having been part of, of a of a team at the highest level of uh, of collegiate. Uh, uh, football, these, these guys are going to be your buddies and they're going to be your friends for, for life. And no matter how much time elapses, it's the bond that you guys share is, is so very, very, very special. And uh, I'm anxious for people to see that, uh, that thing we, we put together celebrating the, uh, the 1988 10-win uh, minors. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because it's kind of like, you're a family there. You don't really get to choose who comes in. That's the coach's job. But whenever they're there, you're kind of stuck with them. And then you just kind of create that bond with, with your teammates and everything. And it's, it's one of those things that people who don't play sports or anything will never kind of understand because it's just a different type of, of family environment. Whenever you, you're out there day in and day off grinding with those guys and just blood, sweat, and tears on the field, off the field, in the classroom and everything. So it's just, it's just a, a whole different kind of relationship. Did Andy Reid make an appearance on that Zoom call, Tosh? No, he did not because the Chiefs were in camp. We did have yeah. uh, we did have uh, Bob Stall, but uh, yeah, we'd love to have had uh, Andy. And uh, had the Chiefs not been in camp, I'm sure he wouldn't have hesitated to have uh, to have jumped on with us. I can't believe he it wasn't the most important thing in his life that day. I mean, it's not like he's got the best quarterback in football to handle or anything. Like yeah. That. They're only in the preseason. Gosh, <laughs> Chiefs are going to the playoffs. They're a Super Bowl contender. Again, it wouldn't have been any big deal. That's my, that's one of my, I feel like one of your coolest ties is that you have Andy Reid with the chiefs, but your brother has also covered the chiefs in various capacities as a reporter for years. So, I mean, you've kind of, you, you kind of have an affinity for that team anyways, right? Yeah, I do. And it's not just Andy, but Dave Tobe, his special teams coach, uh, played for us and then was a uh, uh, weight strength and conditioning coach here. And Ken Flagel, who coaches linebackers for Andy in uh, Kansas City, coached the secondary for that great 10-win uh, uh, UTEP team here. So those uh, those uh, interactions are always fun. And we get a chance to to visit with Andy and Dave and, and Flagel from time to time. So uh, that's always a great deal of fun. I guess uh, talk about the greatest quarterback alive right now, but how about talk about UTEP's quarterback, Gavin Hardison? Um, he's certainly shown flashes and of what he can be over the last few years, but I think the consistency factor has always been um, his struggle. He told me the other day he's having his best fall camp that he's had um, since he came to UTEP. Um how do you think he can kind of get a little bit more consistency in his play this year um, and kind of and have the season that I know he wants to have and that everybody thinks he's capable of? And uh, Gavin, why, why don't you chime in after John goes as well? Well, I think there are a couple of things. One, I, I think that Gavin has got to become a little more, as you, as you mentioned, a little more consistent. And I, and I think there are a couple of ways to do that. One, I think the miners have got to get their completion percentage up this fall. It, you know, they basically hovered around 52.5% last year. I And they, they've actually been there pretty much throughout anywhere from 52.5 to 55 throughout Gavin's time at UTEP. I think that's got to get closer to 60% uh, this year. And I think that will help his consistency. Some of that, I think, is decision-making. Some of it's uh, maturity, which, uh, again, now he's he started 30 games at the collegiate level. I think it's 
that that certainly should help him. Another thing that I think is going to help him with a change in in offensive coordinators during the offseason, Coach Dibble, who is the play caller, is far more involved in terms of the quarterback meetings, the quarterback receiver meetings. And it makes good sense to me that the play caller should be even more closely aligned uh, with 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 his quarterbacks and his with with his receivers in particular than maybe Dana was as a play caller as just the head coach. So I I think that I think that can only help uh, Gavin. I think it can only help the cohesiveness of of the passing game. And I think that's another factor that uh, that could really elevate uh, Gavin's play this year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, Colin, you were saying he's been having the best uh, fall. Whenever I was out there, um, he he was had a pretty good day from what I saw. There was a couple times where he had an open receiver and he'd throw it long, throw it short or something. But he's definitely, um, this year, more than I've seen, been kind of hard on himself. Uh, if he'd missed kind of one of those one of those easier passes where it's not a tight window, it's kind of over the top or something, and he misses them short or long, it's he he's definitely talking to himself more and trying to trying to make sure that he holds himself accountable. Um, one thing that I think could definitely help out, and it's not necessarily his game, but definitely a continued strength of the run game. If we're able to to set that up, um, I think I did my own quote unquote research study um, during the season last year, and I think I had concluded that in games where he has less than 20 or 25 attempts, we won. But on games where he has 40, 30, 40 plus attempts, we lost. So I think if we're able to kind of set up that run game and take it out of his hands and not put as much pressure on him that we have to, I feel like that, that that's that's kind of the way that we, we have to continue to go. Yeah, I, I, I kind of did the same thing that you did in terms of like the, the run pass splits. Um, I mean, of course, like the Boise game was like super – uh, pushed over to the run. I think they ran it around 45 times and he threw it 10 times with the, you're right. The games where it was super balanced, they play, they, they played a lot better. I think the probably we'd all agree. The New Mexico game was probably the worst game of the year last year. I think he had to throw, he ended up throwing like 45 or 50 times that game. Um, And it's just, I don't, I think that's hard for any quarterback. Like, um, you know, unless, you know, the elite of the elite guys can do it, but unless you're one of those guys or you're running like a Mike Leach, you know, type of offense where you use the pass. It was basically like your as your run game. Um, it can just be pretty hard. And um, just in terms of the guys that they have, you mentioned the guys around him. Obviously, the offensive line over a hundred starts on the line, Tyish. But Dion looks Hankins looks like a. And we've again talked about it quite a bit. He just looks different this year. Um, and just from a from his mindset, obviously physically, but. He just absolutely looks like to me he's ready for a big year. Well, obviously he shared that spot uh, during his his previous uh, seasons here at UTEP, and he pretty well knows, particularly since uh, since Aaron Dumas, it appears is not going to get his his waiver to be able to play uh, this season. I I think that uh, you know Dion knows that uh, he's the guy. He knows that uh, the miners are are counting on him. He's healthy. And uh, and and again, I think for all those reasons that uh, that Dion is is absolutely going to have his uh, his his very best year at uh, at at UTEP. Dumas, I think, is going to be awesome 
next year. But I, I agree with you. It doesn't it doesn't look super promising that he's going to get that waiver. But there's some there's some other guys in that backfield, Tyce, that I just don't really feel like they've had a style of running back like that really since I've been here, which is 2018, maybe, maybe key Wadley a little bit, but like, I don't really feel like they've had a Torrance Burgess or an Izzel Jolly type running back uh, since Dimmel's been here. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's kind of a change of pace you know, back. Obviously Dion is a big, uh, powerful type back. And obviously Torrance, I think in particular, and, and Izzel to a certain extent uh, gives uh uh, a much different look to that uh, that defense. So yeah, I'm I'm anxious to see uh, what they can bring to the miners' running game and to the miners' attack. Yeah, Gavin, how do you think? How would you like to see maybe some of those guys used just to vary up the looks? And it, I don't even think it necessarily needs to be straight out of the backfield. You know, just you know, halfback dive or halfback, you know, whatever it is, pitches out. I mean, they can. Burgess seems like a guy they can use in a lot of different ways. Yeah, uh, Burgess. He definitely he's uh, he's quick, very very fast. So I feel like we'll get him out on a lot of little um, play actions where he'll run little uh, close routes and turn around. And if you get him the ball, he's really slippery. So I mean, uh, if we can get him on some some little uh, um, what's it called wheel routes and stuff against against a linebacker on him, I definitely feel that that he should be able to outrun the linebacker to for whether that's whenever it comes to actually running the ball or if it's just running routes around him and everything. So I feel like we, we can definitely use him in the in some of the like toss toss game um, as well as the pass game for him. Because because, like I said, very, very slippery, very elusive guy. So I feel like that that's where he'll kind of excel. Obviously, uh, Tyron Smith, I've called him the the best recruit that Dana got in the offseason was getting Tyron Smith back from Texas A&M. But, John, they have to have somebody else catch some passes, you know, with Ray Flores gone. Who have you liked the most out of that receiving group in the uh, in fall camp? I think Kelly Akari has looked miles ahead of where he was last year. But what's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, sure. I, I you know, I, I think Kelly and it is just typical of junior college uh transfers uh, invariably they're better the second year than they they were in their first year and I think that'll apply to, to Kelly I think one of the keys to the receiving core myself is Jeremiah Ballard he's in his third year now in the program and he gives he gives the minors receiving core something that they don't have a lot of and that is size and physicality and that's what I like a lot about Jeremiah Ballard and I wouldn't discount the tight ends either you know Zach Fryers played a lot of football here they went heavily into the junior college ranks Marcus Vinson has uh, has been a target uh, during uh, preseason practices Judah Izinwa uh, I think uh, some of those uh, brand new tight ends uh, could contribute uh, significantly in the passing game as well you know not everything in the passing game going back to Gavin has to be a home run yeah. not everything has to be a home run. If you can get the ball into the hands of your playmakers in space and take what the defense gives you, you can do a, a lot of damage and, and put a lot of points on the scoreboard. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I feel like there's been so many times, especially this past year, where it was just like shot down the field, shot down the field. Okay, now it's third, third and 10, third and long. Now what are we going to do? So it was just kind of like, Going going this next year, I hope we we kind of even out um, on on a lot of the calls, kind of the run in the pass game to kind of 
eat up some of those short yards just to just to not make it every third down a, a long one because I feel like whenever you don't either have a pass play and it's incomplete on first down you're already setting yourself up um, behind the chain so if we can kind of get three or four yards each play whether that's run or pass I feel like that's definitely going to be going to be huge rather than just trying to air it out uh, and hit deep balls the whole game. Colin, I think another thing the Miners have got to do more of offensively in 2023, uh, particularly since a particular number 40 is no longer in uniform at UTEP, is score more touchdowns. Because, <laughs> you know, as good as Scoring more touchdowns Flab would help them win games, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And as good as Buzz Flabiano might ultimately be, right now he's completely untested. And, you know, Gavin had a tremendous – 2022 campaign missed only what one two kicks all year long uh you know when you combine uh, extra points and, and and field goal attempts and i don't think the miners can count on that again so if utep's going to have a successful season offensively they've got to score more touchdowns you heard it here first if you score more touchdowns you'll win more games all right, that's the podcast, guys. That's it. Uh, no. uh, you know, back to Gavin's point. I do want to talk special teams in a second, for real. But to your, I think to Gavin's point about it, it doesn't have to be a deep shot down the field. You know what play that I just feel like they never run, but seems to work for other teams. And the one time I remember them running it, just a wide receiver screen. Like it was a yeah. UTSA game two years two years ago. They just threw like a quick wide receiver screen to Tyron, and he took it thirty five yards to the house. Like. It's plays like that that make things so much easier for everybody that I just don't know that they've done enough of the last couple of years, and I hope that they um, do a little bit more of that this year. Well, and again, it goes to my point of getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers in space yeah, and, and letting them make plays with their feet and, and their legs. And, yeah, I, I'd like to see a little more of that uh, too, particularly when you're talking about uh, – you know, smaller, quicker guys like like Tyron and like Torrance Burgess. I think they may thrive in in that kind of an environment. Yeah, I definitely 100% agree with that. As long as uh we don't go above like 20, 25 passes, I think we're going to be good. But as soon as we kind of cross that threshold, then that's where where I've seen us put up more losses than wins. So hopefully, hopefully we can we can kind of stay under that limit. John tried to transition us into the special teams a second ago and uh, obviously that we have the reigning special teams player of the year in the conference with us so um i'll let i'll let you guys handle this segment what is uh what is the talk of the special teams right now gavin and um you know john what are you seeing yeah why don't you get that started yeah i mean uh guys are guys are obviously a little sad that i left but you know and it's next man up um Whenever I was seeing out there, um, with pretty pretty good day. Um, I think Buzz I saw was kind of taking some of the one reps as Mark was holding, and then they'd kind of flop. But uh, definitely, it's gonna be gonna be a nice little test for them. That I know that whoever is gonna be the starter will definitely thrive in. But it's 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 no joke because you get out there and practice, and you have some pressure under you and. And you can put all the pressure on yourself as you want, but as soon as you kind of step under the under the lights during during the game time and everything, it's a whole different beast. I still remember vividly my very first field goal I ever made in a UTEP uniform, and and how much I was not scared but nervous and everything, and butterflies and and just the adrenaline going through my veins. So it was definitely 
definitely a different animal when you kind of step out on the field rather than just in practice. So hopefully they've been getting as many kind of game type scenario kicks as, as they have been. I'll tell you who's having an unbelievable camp on special teams. And it's certainly no surprise. And it's the guy you hope to see least of on the field once the games begin. And that's Josh Sloan. I, you know, he has gotten better and better and better each year and his hang time and his length in camp has just been something to behold. I, a lot of times, you know, the special teams periods come along and no offense, Gavin, but uh, you know, those of us that are standing there watching practice the whole time, will go and find the shade and might start talking to some other folks. But uh, I tell you when, when Gavin Mark when, comes over and talks to me during special teams. Yeah, right. When, when Josh is out there, I mean, it's something, it's been something to, to behold. And obviously you, you don't want to use him uh, a whole bunch, but uh, uh, certainly I, I think the miners are going to have a weapon again in, in Josh Sloan in 2023. Yeah, definitely. Last year had a, a very good year. I think he had like a 44 yard average or something. So hopefully um, this next coming year, he, he continues that and, and definitely improves on that because I feel 44 is, is still really good, but I feel just the way he hits in practice and everything, he, he definitely has the ability to uh, to do more than that. I remember there was a couple of times last year where he had kind of hit some off the side of his foot or stuff or something. So I feel that this year he he eliminates the the couple of mistakes that he had, and he'll definitely be, be in contention for the Ray guy. What's the piece of advice, Gavin, that you would give Buzz or you know whoever it is that's trotting out there for the first – field goal slash extra point of the season to kind of get over like what you described, like those nerves of trotting out for your first college game. Cause I mean, you're right. It's one thing to do it in practice. It's one thing to do it at the high school level, but it's just bigger, obviously when you step onto an FBS field. So what's that, what's that word of advice? Yeah. Um, I would say just calm yourself as much as you can. Um, whenever you kind of get out there, it's going to kind of hit you that, it's like, wow, this is, this is it. Like everyone's looking at me kind of deal, but you just have to calm yourself down. Um, remember that this is basically what you, you, you've been doing your whole life. Um, you trust your guys, you trust the holder, you trust the snapper, um, look up, make sure you, you have your target and everything and just take a deep breath. And then from then on, just let it fly. You, you don't want to, don't want to go too fast. Don't want to go too slow. Just continue to do your routine. And it's just like every other kick. Did you make your first one? one? Did you make your first one, Gav? What was that? You make your first one? I did. I believe it was like a 35 yard right hash and I hit it like an inch inside the upright. So I was definitely, definitely relieved. There's a, I was going to say, there's one other factor, of course, that UTEP kickers have to deal with at home in the Sun Bowl Stadium, and Gavin knows this well, and Gavin, you and I have talked about it uh, numerous times over the years, and that's those uh, those swirling uh, those swirling winds that come through the uh, the canyons that surround the uh, the stadium. Yeah, definitely. Those are definitely no joke. Uh, I remember one time I ran out there, the wind was going left to right, and it was like a mid-40-yard field goal. And so I'm lined up back in my stance, and I look up and the winds change right to left. So I have to make the change as I'm running up to kick it to aim a little more right than a little more left like I was aimed. So it's just, it's definitely a factor that people don't think about because it can, 
it can change in, in a second. And so it's just something you always got to be aware of and be able to, to adapt to on the fly, because if not, if your aim left and the wind's going left 99% of the time, you're not going to make the kick. So it's just, it's just something that on top of making the kick on top of the snap and the hold being good and everything, you got to worry about the wind. So it's just, there's so many, so many little things that, that people don't think of um, when it comes to kicking and everything. They only think about the good, no good, but that's probably, if not one of the biggest, the biggest factor when it comes to, to kicking. Did you make that kick? This one where the, where the wind changed? Yeah, I think it was uh, 2019 versus Rice. And it was like a 45-yarder right before half. But yeah, I did. That's why he's the conference player of the year last year, guys. So, John, uh, before we get you out of here, uh, we've been doing a segment the last couple of weeks. Just uh, we picked their win-loss record for the year. I don't know if I want you to do that, but I will ask you, what do you think is the most um, important game or maybe important two or three games on their schedule for this year? Well, I, I think certainly the opener is very, very important. It's kind of a, a trap game as you look yeah. at it. It's, it's Conference USA game. It's the season opener. You're playing a school that's playing its first, not only Conference USA game, its first game as a member of FBS. They probably don't have the personnel, particularly on the line of scrimmage, that the minors do. What they do have is an outstanding head coach in Rich Rodriguez and yeah. obviously a probably a well-drilled coaching staff as well that will be ready, I think, for UTEP a week from Saturday. That being said, I, you know, I, again, given their maturity, particularly on the line of scrimmage, particularly at quarterback, some of the, the key spots on, on the football field, it's a game that UTEP probably should win and, and, and should control. And I'm expecting that will be the case, but I think the the, the season opening game is uh, is uh, you know is 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 a big big game. Obviously, you, you look at the first league meeting between UTEP and New Mexico State in the Battle of I-10 in more than 60 years. This year in the Sun Bowl Stadium on a Wednesday night in the uh, in the Sun Bowl Stadium, and that game, regardless of the situation and the circumstances, is always a significant. Uh, game uh the miners have that stretch of uh in in early in the season back-to-back games against uh, power five schools and in northwestern and arizona and i know there are a lot of minor fans out there that look at that northwestern game given all the turmoil that's surrounding that northwestern program and are thinking that's a, a game that the miners probably should win but please keep in mind that again Northwestern is a power conference school. They play in the Big Ten Conference. So what do they do? They recruit Big Ten Conference caliber athletes, maybe not of the level of Ohio State and Michigan and the like, but you're still talking about Big Ten caliber athletes. So hopefully the strife in that Northwestern program is such that the Miners can go in there and and steal a victory. And, of course, the very next week, the Miners will get a look at their old friend uh, Jacob Cowing, in a uh, Arizona Wildcats uh, uniform. And that'll certainly be uh, interesting over in Tucson, the former uh, Western Athletic Conference uh, rivals. So I think there's some, uh, there's some very interesting uh, matchups awaiting the minors uh, this fall. Yeah. Those two power five games. And I always caution people like, look, it's, I'm not saying they can't win the game, but 
going on the road to a power five. I mean, it's just, you can't go in there expecting to win most of the time as a group of five team of those two though. I, I look at the Arizona game as maybe the one they steal of like, uh, if, if they're going to get one of one of them, I, I, I think they're, it's the Arizona game, but um, we'll see. We do have Tyson. We do uh listener questions every week. Uh, we only have one and it actually um, is kind of piggybacking off your answer there. That's uh, from sidelines UTEP on Twitter. Um, what are your thoughts of playing New Mexico state on a Wednesday night? Uh, will UTEP have a crowd or will the sun bowl be empty? Uh, obviously for those who are unaware, the conference USA kind of going um, the route of the Mac um, their all of their conference games in the month of October will be played uh, in the middle of the week. So UTEP will have three consecutive games on a Wednesday. Their one home game during that stretch will be, as we said, at the Sun Bowl versus New Mexico State. I'll give everybody a chance here. I personally like it um, because of the eyeballs that will be potentially on the Miners um, and the Aggies from you know from around the nation because it is on ESPN2. The TV money, which we've discussed ad nauseum throughout conference realignment, uh, will no doubt help UTEP in in some fashion. And I just think, I get it's a Wednesday night, but this town, at least since I've been here, uh, has shown up when the games are on national television. I go back to the UTSA game, like people showed up. Uh, I think that like North Texas last year, I think was on CBS Sportsnet, obviously the season opener, and there were 40,000 people there. So I think people will show up. Um, I think – Based on the the replies I get whenever I say that I like the Conference USA uh, Wednesday nights, I, it feels like I'm in the minority <laughs> about this, but um, I I personally do like it. Yeah, Colin, I get all of what you're saying. I get, and I don't disagree with any of it. I'm I'm kind of a traditionalist. I believe that high school football is meant to be played on Friday and Friday only. That college football is meant to be played on Saturday and Saturday only, and that the NFL is meant to be played on Sunday and Sunday only. And obviously, that's not even close to the reality in this day and age. But I'm a, you know, I'm an old guy. Now that being said, no, the Sun Bowl will not be empty on that Wednesday night, October the 18th. Yeah. Uh, we have worked at UTEP and, and with UTEP athletics very very hard this offseason on coming up with a, a plan, not only for that game, but for all six home games. And there is one other non-Saturday home game, Louisiana Tech on a Friday night in late September in the Sun Bowl Stadium. I'm making sure that uh, uh, there will be uh, plenty of minor fans watching UTEP football in the Sun Bowl, uh, certainly for all six uh, home games in, in 2023. And obviously uh, the team's performance will have some bearing on that. But one thing you have to remember in, in particular about that New Mexico state game this season, it is the 100th game yeah. in the rivalry between the miners and the Aggies. And obviously that only happens one time. And uh, it it's happens bigger than the 99th Gavin, as we've said, <laughs> yeah. not as big as the 101 though. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, particularly with what Jerry kill did with that uh, Aggies program and, in 2022, I, I think it's got a chance to be uh, one of the highlight uh, games of this season. And, and there will be a, a good crowd in the Sun Bowl that night. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree. It's not going to be, no one is going to be there. It's definitely going to be a, a good amount of minor and Aggies fans there. So it'll definitely, definitely be because 
according to our predictions, there's a chance that they the miners show up four and two or something like that, and the Aggies are yeah. There's a chance they're one. both five and two, like a pretty five good two, chance yeah, in my opinion in, that they're five and two. Yeah, going into that game, so so I feel I feel that if that is true, there's definitely going to be a lot of hype around the game, and especially on a Wednesday. I mean. I get it. Like Saturdays, people go to the games because they have nothing to do. But like Wednesday, you're not you're going to go to the game. You're going to stay because I mean it is El Paso. The people do drink a lot. They'll probably be drinking on Wednesdays, but <laughs> but maybe they're not drinking as much, so they'll stay in the stadium. You know, it's still going to be packed. I I feel like there's going to be a good amount of a good amount of faces there cheering on both teams. The one I I don't mind the Wednesday games. And John, you brought up the Louisiana Tech Friday game. I dislike that more than I dislike the Wednesday games. I get it. it. It's completely yeah. selfish reasoning on my part. It's because, like you said, high school football is on Friday nights. We are so busy on Friday nights here with, like, all the high school football games to add a UTEP. And I think New Mexico State's done it in the past where they played a Friday. Like, it's just like, are you kidding me, man? Like, can we can we not do this? And so my reasoning for that is a little selfish. But I also think, you know, the Boise game last year was on a Friday and I think because of what I just said, it's high school football and it's a huge thing here. I don't think the crowd for that game was as good of as it maybe could have been because everybody's out at the high school games. And I think on a Wednesday, there's not as there's sports wise, there's much less going on. That's why I think like for especially for a rivalry game, like they're going to be fine attendance wise. Yeah, certainly a significant or at least a portion of your audience is just not going to be available to attend on a, on a Friday night with, uh, with high school games going on all across the city and the area. But, uh, you know, again, it's not something that uh, you choose sometimes, particularly in your, your conference schedule. It's, uh, it's assigned to you and you play the schedule as it's, uh, as it's assigned. And, and that's going to be the case uh, in a big way with four, uh, four of the uh, eight league games on non-traditional dates. Last thing I'll get to before. Oh, sorry, Gavin, did you have something? No, you're good. I was just gonna say I love watching action during during the night and everything. So, so this Wednesday game is not gonna be any different. Yeah, they gotta find a better hashtag than CUSA action, though. It's good. we gotta we gotta come up with something better for them before October starts. Um, but Tice, the last thing I had for you before we get out of here is uh, I won't make you predict the record. Um, but what is what are your expectations? for the miners this year um i feel and gavin has said it too that we think it's got to be a bowl game um bowl game or bust season more or less what is your feel though yeah i i would agree with that i i think utep should be a bowl team in 2023 i think miners uh barring something unforeseen in terms of a horrible spate of uh, injuries uh, should be and will be a bowl team and in 2023. I will say this, I'm not going to predict a season record. I never do that. Uh, but I'm on the media panel that uh, forecasts the uh, the final conference USA standings. And I, I couldn't believe when it came out, the miners were picked to finish sixth. Colin, I had UTEP uh, forecast to finish second in conference USA wow. behind uh, Western Kentucky. I think Western Kentucky should be the favorite heading into the season. I think Liberty certainly is going to be a formidable foe given their resources, but they're starting over with a new coaching staff and with a new quarterback as, as well uh, this year are the uh, Flames. Uh, Middle Tennessee, I think, is a very 
formidable foe that uh, under uh, Stocksville has had a great deal of success for years in, in Conference USA. But uh, for the Miners to finish sixth, I just I don't I, I don't see it. it. It was a it was a huge surprise to me. Yes, yeah, certainly. I, I think that that has been put on the bulletin board. Um, I don't know that they've discussed it that way with us publicly, but certainly in some private conversations I've had with people that other than, you know, kind of echoing what you said uh, about it. Phil Steele agrees with you that I think Phil Steele, who is the big right finishes that college, huge college football magazine um, that I really rely on before the season. Uh, he has them finishing second. Oh, <laughs> there it is. He's got one right there. Right on my desk. <laughs> there you go. He has them finishing second too. So um, I think there's, you know, I think certainly there could be some variance, but I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that there's a pretty good opportunity and chance for them to be challenging for a conference title um, and in November. So. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yep. Gavin, anything else with for Teicher before we uh, we let him get along his 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 way here? Yeah, last thing, and I didn't ask this before, but um, favorite moment this year regarding game winning field goals? Go <laughs> this year. Yeah. Well, why not? Why not in that one hundredth uh, UTEP uh, New Mexico State edition? Uh, uh, welcome to UTEP, Buzz Flabiano. Oh. Kicking I'd one against it. the Aggies to win the uh, the Battle of I ten, huh? I love that, it. That'd be great. What was uh, I just like? It doesn't happen. Like, Gavin got one opportunity to do that in his college career. I mean, how many how many times have you called a game winning field goal where it's it's not it's not you know thirty seconds left somebody kicks one. It's I mean it's at the gun where game over. Uh, miners are running around celebrating because they kicked the game winner. You know, it's funny you, you mentioned that because in, in 1984, uh, Colin, UTEP played a game at Texas A&M. And Hugo Castellanos, who was a terrific kicker during his uh, time at, uh, at UTEP and actually was UTEP's kicker before um, Chris Jackie had his All-American season in 1988 and then had his great uh, NFL career. Hugo Castellanos at, uh, at Kyle Field hit the left upright on the final play of the game, hit the left upright. And at that time, the game ended in a tie. The games could end in a tie. I feel like that's back, back in those days. That's, that's the one I, re I remember. There probably have been others, but that that's the one on the game's final play. I certainly remember. Gavin, I got to send you this. And Tysha, I don't remember his name. You will. He was minor, the miners kicker, like maybe like mid nineties. And then he was on a preseason roster for the Broncos. And in a preseason game, he kicked like a 68 or 67 yarder right before halftime. Do you know who I'm talking about? Is guy from like Finland or something? Um, Norway. Oh boy. Yeah. You're testing me there. <laughs> yeah, Andy, Andy Morgan like do... randomly sent me the video a couple weeks ago. It's like, it's like right before halftime of a oh, preseason game. I know who it was. It was a guy named Ola Kimran. Yeah, yeah, Ola, yeah. Ola Kimran, sure, sure. Like a sixty-eight yarder in a preseason game for the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. Ola had quite the leg. He didn't. He didn't pick a lot for uh, UTEP. Maybe, maybe one full year, but uh, he had quite a leg. Gotcha. Well, John, we appreciate you so much uh, for joining us here. Uh, always loved chatting with you at practices and games. So thanks for joining us here as well. 
I can't tell you how much fun it was to talk uh, UTEP football with the two of you. Let's do it again. Absolutely. We'll get you on in the middle of the season at some point. Sounds good. All right. This is the Mindshaft Podcast. Uh, John Teicher joining us as a guest this week. Colin Deaver, Gavin Beckley. We will be uh, back here next week. It is time for the season, Gavin. We will have a season preview episode. I got to find the one person who covers Jacksonville State, though. Uh, so we can get them on for a, for a podcast preview. I've asked the Sickos committee. No one seems to know who covers Jacksonville State. So we're gonna, but we're gonna find them and we're gonna have yeah, them on we, the podcast. We got to. Next week. I'll do some. I'll do some research. Yeah, it's, it's everything's on the internet these days. But that's what you have to look forward to for next week. Is uh, it'll be game week. This has been the Mineshaft, the Republic of Football at Dave Campbell's Football Podcast. We'll see you next week. <laughs>